This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Increasing clouds today, high near 54. Tonight, showers likely with a lower on 45. Tuesday, partly sunny with a slight chance of showers and a high near 61. According to the Broome County Firewire, around 9 Sunday night, a tractor-trailer hauling cars was on fire on Route 17 at the exit 72 Airport Road. The highway was shut down for a time. No word of injuries. The cause is under investigation. According to local media reports, a tow truck crashed into the front of the Bridal Emporium in Endwell on Sunday morning. The reports note that according to Broome County Dispatch, there were no reported injuries. On the Bridal Emporium Facebook page, it was noted that the crash caused major damage to the building and the shop will be closed until further notice. A multi-year project to repair three sections of an 80-year-old flood wall in the city of Binghamton is underway. Construction crews have been at work on a crumbling portion of the protective wall along the Susquehanna River. The first phase of the project is occurring along Court Street, east of Tompkins Street and Brandywine Avenue. One eastbound traffic lane is closed while the work is underway. A spokesperson for the State Office of General Services said the portions of the flood wall being repaired were constructed in the 1940s. In addition to the Court Street section, work is planned along North Shore Drive and the Riverwalk. The repairs will include concrete rehabilitation and application of a paint coating system along with railing replacement. Curb and asphalt repair and replacement are also planned. According to the OGS spokesperson, the work along Court Street is the most substantial repair due to to its condition and adjacency to a heavily trafficked road. The paint coating on the wall along Court Street will be applied when warmer weather returns next year. The overall flood wall repair project is scheduled to be completed in February of 2025. When Donald Trump takes the stand today in a Manhattan courtroom, courtroom to testify in his civil fraud trial, it will be an undeniable spectacle. He'll be a, a former president and the leading Republican presidential candidate defending himself against allegations that he dramatically inflated his net worth. The charges cut to the very heart of the brand Trump spent decades carefully crafting and put him at risk of losing control of much of his business empire. But the appearance will also mark the beginning of what will likely be a defining feature of the 2024 election. A major candidate on trial using the witness stand as a campaign platform. On November 5th, around 1.03 a.m. in the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to Interstate 81 in the town of Cortlandville for a reported motor vehicle accident. Officers determined Ashley Roach had been operating her motor vehicle in the opposite lane of travel, causing a head-on collision with another motor vehicle. Roach was determined to be intoxicated and was subsequently arrested and processed for driving while intoxicated, reckless driving, and multiple other vehicle and traffic law violations. She and the four occupants of the other vehicle all sustained minor injuries. 
and were transported to medical facilities for evaluation. According to Homeland Security investigations from the Buffalo Field Office and the New York State Police, Michael Murray of Sydney was sentenced to 144 months in prison for a possession of child pornography. As part of his guilty plea, Murray admitted that on October of 2021, he possessed images and videos of child pornography on two cell phones and possessed images and videos of a child pornography within two email accounts that he owned and controlled. At the time of these offenses, Murray had a previous conviction in New York related to the possession of child pornography. Murray was also sentenced to 10 years of supervised release to follow his term of imprisonment. He was also ordered to forfeit two electronic devices that he used to commit his crimes and will be required to register as a sex offender upon his release from prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Monday, November 6th, 2023. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Ted. I'm calling from Bustle. Good morning, Ted. And I'm Bob Joseph. Doing today? Well, I'm, I'm doing well. This is Bob okay. Joseph. Welcome to the program. Um, I'm running for the Bustle Town Supervisor's position. Well, I'm so glad to, to have a chance to speak with you. Good morning. Uh, this it's is nice Ted. This is Ted. Yeah, this is Ted Wolf, uh, the Republican yeah. candidate for Town of Vestal Supervisor. Yes, yes, you don't know much about radio, but you do know that uh, a fair number of people will be listening right now as. Uh, as you uh, discuss your candidacy, why did you choose to run for Vestal Town Supervisor? Well, that's a great question. I'd like to think that there's some room for more common sense in governing the town. But really more important than that, I've got some goals for the town that I feel would be new some new things, and I'd like to maybe tell you a few of those things, if I might. Yes, absolutely. First, for people not familiar with you, I know you, uh, based on my review of your website, you have a passion for Vestal, a, a great love for Vestal, and you've been involved in the town for a long time. Give our listeners a little bit of uh, background, your biography, and sure. um, what what you've been up to over the years. All right. My father worked for NYSEG. And when I was 16 years old, he moved here from Western New York. So I started my last year and a half of high school 
I happened to be in the Binghamton Central High School because we lived right on the very edge of Bustle. I worked at the Bustle Plaza Texco. Now I show my my age because that Texco gas station is long gone. But I remember but, it. I you remember, remember it. Don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. I started working there when I was 16 years old in school. And at the same time, I had 21 lawns. I had a business called Ted's Complete Lawn Care. Uh, but I left after a couple of years to go to SUNY Delhi. I went to Delhi for two years and took automotive. And while I was there, my wife was uh, there with me. We've been married for 52 years. And right out of, right out of uh, Delhi, uh, Miller Dodge hired me. And a, a fun fact is that I bought my first car from Steve Miller. And it was a 1966 Pontiac GTO. Uh, it had a blown engine. And wait, Steve wait, when you bought when tires. when you bought it from Steve Miller, were they yet in new. were they yet in Vestal or were they still in Binghamton? Uh, right on the Vestal Parkway, right where they are across from the college. Oh, okay. All right. That was Miller Dodge. Miller yes, Dodge. Miller Dodge. Okay. Wendell Miller hired me. Their father, Steve's father. Well, they had a GTO that somebody took delivery on Friday, and it blew up the engine. The guy blew up the engine, so he brought it back on the hook. And so it was a mechanic special. So I bought it from him. Uh, gave him 500 bucks for it, and Steve says, I'm going to need the tires back because we just put those on. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great car. I still own the car. I still own the car. It's a fabulous car. It's fun to drive. What did you say? It's a 66? Uh, yeah, 66 convertible. That is Four cool. That's it cool. is cool. Yeah. It's, it's fun to drive. How, of, I mean, how often years. do you take it out? Uh, you know, five, four or five times a summer. Go out to get some ice cream or... Uh, just take a little drive yeah. on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, nostalgic. It's, it's nostalgic. It's, it's like a big boat, you know. You get in it and you drive and you say, oh, my God, there, it's, you've got to be careful because there's drum brakes all the way around. And when you try to stop it, it's just not like having power disc brakes. Well, that's when cars also were built to last. They were, by, by today's standards, they were fortresses. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, anyways, Miller Dodge. Uh, I enjoyed working there. I really did. But uh, an opportunity came along while I was there, and that was to join the Snap-on Tool Corporation. And I don't know if you're familiar with tools, but if you are, you've heard the name Snap-on Tools and perhaps seen the large white tool trucks rolling through the everywhere. Yeah. In the, highly in the regarded. Highly regarded. They are. They are. So I had a 40-year career. I worked for Snap-on Tools with Snap-on Tools, for Snap-on Tools, for a total of 40 years. And and uh, while I was a dealer, I might have met somebody that you may know, um, unfortunately passed away, but uh, while I was a young dealer, uh, I took the Dale Carnegie course. Have you ever heard of Dale Carnegie? Yes. Dale Carnegie and Dale, The Dale Carnegie course was a big advertiser for uh, several years here on WNBF. And... Um, this fella took the course with me and we've been, we had been friends for a long time until he passed away. And you may know him, Dana Potter. Yes. I, he, he was, uh, 
He's one a beloved coworker. Actually, I right. I had a chance to uh, visit Dana um, when he was in Endicott. At uh, let's see, so he yeah, it's been about a year and a half since Dana died, and uh, um, we had a a great chat. I'd say probably just a couple of weeks before before he died in in uh, the spring of 2022. Well, he and I took the course together, and we were asked, at the end of the course, we were asked, would we be graduate assistants for the following year for the next class that they had? And and he and I, so he and I got to know each other because we, we both were graduate assistants. And, and that was a great course. And that was back a long, long time ago when I was really young in my career. You know, 21 franchises. I started 21 franchises for Snap-on Tools. Well, that's and remarkable. if you can imagine, that's 21 businesses. Uh, you have to do the banking, the financing. You have to teach them sales tax and record keeping and, and how to keep a store product and how to sell product and, and everything. You know, it's uh, during that time, I put on over 140 sales meetings. Uh, it was a big it was a big job for a long time and um at the end of my career i took on a the first franchise in the area and for 18 years i finished up and and ran the southeast corner of broom county um that that gives me the opportunity to get into large towns small towns city garages all the school bus garages uh, big construction companies, uh, big trucking companies, and it gives you an education. Uh, it gives you an education on a lot of different things because you're talking to owners and and managers and and uh, people. Uh, it was a, it's a great job, it's a great job. But I retired from that, and uh, sitting right next to me here is my neighbor. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Don't say it, Ted. Well, you know what? He retired and I retired. And then we said we're bored. We have to do something. So we, about 10 years ago, we bought a house and uh, it was in terrible shape. But 26 weeks later, uh, we sold it after we renovated it. And uh, we made some money and we just really enjoy working together. So we bought a second one. And then we bought a third one. and. Um, I got to tell you, this is really funny. I just love telling you this, that uh, he and I go every year to the Bustle Rotary's St. Patrick's Day party. And I've been a member of St. Uh, been a member of Bustle Rotary since I retired from Snap-on. But his wife says, I've got a name for you, too. And I said, OK, I'll bite. What's the name for us? She says, the Flipping Neighbors. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could either be property or gymnastics. Yeah, it's <laughs> I I asked her, I said, is that flip N or flipping? Is it E N on the end or I N G? Flipping neighbors <laughs> flipping. <laughs> yeah, or well, else or else know, it could be uh politicians in the in the uh, um how can we put it delicately? In the great tradition of Nelson Rockefeller visiting the Broome County Airport and saluting the SUNY Binghamton students. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we have had a great time. 
we were asked if if we would build a house. I built a house for one of my dearest friends, uh, Richard Matsushima, that uh, got me into the Bustle Rotary Club. And uh, we just had a great time building a house for Richard. And uh, that was about a year ago. We got that finished up. And we do anything from a little job to a uh, a pretty big job, but we just have a lot of fun working together. All right. And, so, uh, bottom line is, of- the bottom line is, you've been very busy, not just in the last <laughs> few years, but for decades. Now, let's let's yep. talk politics. Let's let's okay. talk specifically about the town of Vestal. And the way the town is being governed with the town supervisor, John Schaefer, who is running this year on the conservative party line. And he's being faced by Maria Sexton on the Democratic Party line. And you're on the Republican Party line. Why do you believe you would be the best choice for voters in Vestal? Well, you have to have a plan to run a town. Or you have to have a plan to be a snap-on tool dealer, or you got to have a plan if you're running a church. You want to have a plan. And right now, if you ask, I ask a student from SUNY. Uh, I had somebody call and want an interview with me, so we sat down and we interviewed. I said, "Well, I understand that there's 17,000 students, and that they want to get that to 20." I was corrected. No. The students said the goal is 21,000 students. And I said to her, I said, I bet the university has a plan. I'll bet you they have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan. And she says, I am sure that they do. I said to her, don't you think it's strange that the town of Bustle doesn't have a 10-year plan or a 15-year plan? I said, if Binghamton University, the largest, soon to be the probably the largest employer in Vestal. Don't you think it's strange that they have a plan and we do not? Now, I have been told, and you would have to try to, I would have to try to verify this, but I've been told that the board authorized a firm to create a 10-year plan or a plan for the town. But the plan was never enacted. It was never voted on to to enact it. Now, I would think that a 10-year plan would be a living plan. It would change from year to year. And we need one. So that's something that I definitely will work on. We, we have to have a plan. And you know what? If you don't have a plan, if you there's four board members and a, and a supervisor, there's five people that are running the town, you might say. If they don't have a plan, then I believe that you could call them wandering generalities. And I'm not trying to be nasty or anything. It's just uh, you can't have a direction if you don't have a plan. So we need a plan. Do you think we, do you think we need a plan? Well, I don't run any town so but if i ran a town if i ran a town or a village or a city or Broome county i certainly would develop a plan thank you i'm going to try to do that if i get elected <laughs>
Tell me about well, tell me about your campaign because this is the first time we've had an opportunity to speak on the program with you, but I'm sure you've been busy speaking with your fellow uh, residents, with your friends and neighbors across Vestal. Tell me about um, campaigning and, and trying to get the word out and trying to let people know more about what you would hope to accomplish as the town supervisor. How's it been going? Uh, I'll tell you what, I've thoroughly enjoyed going door to door and knocking on doors. And, and when people answer, I just introduce myself tell them what I'm running for. And then we, I try to keep the conversation down to five minutes, which is tough for me to do. But, um, you know, I had a, I had a lady that said, what party are you running with? What party are you affiliated with? Because on my literature that we hand out, it doesn't say that I'm a Republican. It just says that I'm running for office. So I, I looked at her and I said, I'm a Republican. Does it matter? And she said, it shouldn't matter, but unfortunately, today, it seems to matter. And that sentiment was just repeated over and over. Uh, I just, just Saturday, I had somebody say, oh, you're the Republican candidate. Well, we're voting for you. They'd never met me before but they're voting for me because I'm a Republican. Now, maybe that's a good thing, but don't you think you should know who you're voting for? Especially at the local level. I I mean, we have this conversation from time to time on this program about how, say in Broome County, depending on whether it's um, a locality or say a countywide race, how, how some candidates seem to have uh, an unfair advantage just based on their party affiliation, not on who they are or what they stand for, but just because they're running on a particular line. And sometimes people say, oh, well, because that person is running on this line, he or she is most likely going to win, regardless of whether that person actually is the best candidate. That's how, that's how things go sometimes with local races. And to be fair, even with state or national races, people are I think um, too often focused only on party affiliation and not on what the candidate could offer. I completely agree. And um, it's unfortunate that we started the campaign late. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have to, I, all I had to do was collect signatures, but we weren't on the primary ballot. So even people that were voting for a choice between Maria Saxon or, or John Schaefer didn't even know that there was a Republican running because there was no opposition for me. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't required to be on the ballot. So nobody knows about me and I probably should have been calling you a long time ago, but honestly, I don't have a campaign manager. Wait, you don't have a big Ted Wolf campaign machine? Calling the shots and placing the ads and sending out well, literature—it's—it's—it's it's a, it's a You're telling me it's a, basically a small campaign operation. It is. I have some flipping neighbors that are helping. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, and that can yeah, help. Sometimes, sometimes people say uh, a grassroots effort can be more effective than than a campaign that's operated by by pros with lots of money. Yeah, we have uh, almost no money, and um, we did have a fundraiser back a couple of weeks back, and it gave us enough money so that we could do a mailer. Uh, which I sent out to about 4,000 houses. And, and the reason we decided we had to do that is because there, there simply isn't enough time for me to go to every single person's house and say, hi, I'm Ted Wolf and I'm running for supervisor. We tried. I can't do it. I just couldn't get to every single house. So after our fundraiser, we collected enough money so that we could actually buy postage and, and send out some uh, a card to introduce me through the mailboxes, which I really was hoping I could just meet everybody in person, but you can't do it. So we're doing the best we can. And I appreciate you letting me talk with you today. Perhaps it'll help. Well, I hope it, will. It, it, it certainly gives people the opportunity to learn about you and, and what your hopes and goals for the town would be. If, if you were victorious, if you ultimately defeat Maria Sexton and John Schaefer, what would be your first big job come January if you were sworn in as the Vestal Town Supervisor? What would be your top priority? Well, if I, if I get sworn in January 1st, it's a little bit... Uh, too late probably to do anything about this budget that just got uh, put out there a week ago. So I'm not really sure, but I guess probably one of the first things I, I would do would be to find out how come we don't have cameras and and uh, the ability to put the meetings in, in a easy format, easy to find, easy to watch. You know, I'm working and I get home at five, five thirty, six o'clock, and I just don't have the energy to change my clothes, get dressed, skip dinner, and drive down to the Buskell courthouse to see a meeting. But this morning at four a.m., I can get up and sit in my chair and watch something on my computer that I need to see. And I'm fresh. I'm awake. Um, so to get the the meetings, I, I don't understand why they aren't already being cataloged and already aren't on film and already aren't available. I mean, we're we're like in the dark ages. So you would strive to get all of the important town meetings, the regular town board meetings, or other. Um, meetings dealing with high priority issues streamed live and then also archived for people to view if if they were busy at the time of the meeting? Well, I don't see why that's not possible when uh, for, I don't know, five years now, St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Endicott, New York has been doing it. Uh, you can watch any service online later or you can be there and watch it online um it's it's not terribly expensive so why couldn't we get that accomplished what are your thoughts about 
taxes. There has been a lot of discussion about the town tax rates and also about the tax bill that Vestal residents are facing. And many people say, well, the tax rate may have gone down, but the actual amount of money that they're paying in terms of property taxes keeps going up. What are your thoughts? Well, I thought that was a huge topic, and I thought that I would get hammered with that as I went door to door. And yes, some people asked about it. Some people wanted to know about it, but it was interesting. I had a a gentleman maybe in his 70s, and he said to me, we have to pay taxes. We have to have roads. We have to have police. We have to have a school. And uh, it made me stop and realize that, you know, maybe people whine and complain. Maybe they're the same people that don't go to meetings and don't go vote. You've, you've got to take and pay your taxes. Now, I got out my my own personal taxes on my house for the last two years, and they went up, oh, 600 bucks one one year and um, $300 another year. And I thought, it's, it's really not, even, even though my assessment was 30,000 one year, it went up, and the following year it was like 19,000, you know, even though my assessment went way up, the amount of taxes didn't go way up. And, um, you know, how much control do you have over that if the amount of premiums that your employees have to be, you know, that you, you are charged with paying your employees' health benefits, and you don't have any control over that? You know, you don't have any control over the, the amount of fuel that you have to buy and pay for when, you know, you're not in control of that or salt. A huge expense for the town is salt, but they don't get to tell the people how much they're going to pay them for salt and they have to have it trucked in. Trucked. Trucks run on diesel fuel. They're never going to get salt delivered with an electric truck. Diesel. It's an engine, and the town can't say to the salt manufacturer, "Well, we can't pay you more than five hundred thousand a year for salt, even though you want seven hundred fifty thousand or a million, because uh, we don't have control over that. So we have to pay you whatever you want, and it's the cost that we're going to pay. So, do we want to pay taxes? Yes, I want to be able to pay taxes so the, the roads are safe all winter long. I want to be able to pay taxes because I really enjoy the police department that we have. I enjoy the fact that they're working hard to keep our town safe. So I'm going to be glad to pay taxes. Ted Wolf, Republican candidate for Vestal Town Supervisor. If you become supervisor, will you come on the program once a month or every so often? If you'd like me to, I'd be happy to. I would love. Whoever is elected supervisor, whether it's you or John Schaefer or Maria Sexton, I would be very pleased if they would join us on the program once a month. Well, I'll tell you what. I've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, 
I will look forward to getting back to it. Win, lose, or draw, doesn't matter. Uh, if I can shed some light on some things or if I can uh, be elected and come back and uh, share some of the exciting things that uh, I'd like to, to do, I'll look forward to talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Appreciate your call. And I, I wish you and the other candidates all the best. I, I admire anybody who runs for local office. It's not easy. No, but it's, uh, it's worth it. Thank you. Hope you have a good day. Have a great. You have a great day. Thanks very much. Thank you. And so there you go. We uh, did have a chance last week to speak with John Schaefer, the incumbent town supervisor in Vestal, who's running on the conservative party line. We also spoke with Maria Sexton, who's running as the Democratic candidate. And those interviews are posted on our website. And, in the interest of fairness, soon we will add the uh, interview with Ted Wolf. So all three candidates for Vestal Sound, a Town Supervisor, their interviews will be featured at WNBF.com at some point. Remember, early voting is over. That wrapped up on Sunday. Voting will resume at 6 tomorrow morning and run all day tomorrow until 9 in the evening on election day. So we're here for you, trying to inform everybody, trying to give everybody as much information as possible. Here at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF. And now, the weather, as presented by your host. <laughs> yes, your host is proud to present the weather. I only present it. I am not a forecaster, and I will not play a forecaster on radio. You know, this is severe weather season, so don't kid yourself. <laughs> you got to be aware of the weather. Mostly cloudy today, high 54. Cloudy tonight, low 45. Uh, some showers likely early tonight. Partly sunny tomorrow. Some showers possible early in the day. High 61. And mostly sunny Wednesday, high 46. Right now, 38 in downtown Binghamton. That seems to be 3 Celsius for the Celsius fans out there. And you know who you are. Air quality, good. Air quality index is 30, so go out and enjoy some of the freshest air of the week.
607-772-1290. Have you voted yet? Did you enjoy your early voting experience? Or are you a traditionalist? You plan to wait till tomorrow and vote on Election Day. What are your thoughts? What are your hopes? What are your aspirations? Feel free to call. Love to hear from you. This is Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. the hits all the time on the big N WNBF. That's how it would sound is uh, if we flipped over to a top 40 format. But good news for you, we're still doing the news talk as it ought to be done. Airport Road Bob in the town of Maine. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Listen, that was a great interview this morning. Um, I didn't know the man, but he sounds like he has a plan. And so I'm going to jump on his uh, theme for the day. Um, Update on the IDA project. Um, Town and union meeting last week went pretty much as uh, I thought it would be. Uh, Ms. Duncan made a uh, statement about what was going on, confirmed that there was still no paperwork anywhere. Uh, There's no paperwork at the town of Maine. There's no paperwork at the town union. She apologized to the town board stating that She really appreciated their patience on this project um, and that they were going to reach out to the other property owners who they're interested in purchasing their property to make this a 600-acre corporate park project. Um, And none of the – there were homeowners there, uh, property owners there. She would not take any questions or answer any questions. And again, the town of Union could not answer any questions because they don't have any information. They don't have any paperwork. So going back to having a plan, as uh, Mr. Wolf was talking about, seems as though there is no plan other than the secret plan that the IDA has been working on. The purchase of the 300 acres is supposed to take place today. the other property well, owners. How, how are they going to do that? They're going to do that today. How? What, do they have a meeting or is that going to be have covered? A today. They have a closing. Mr. Delapena agreed to sell the 300 acres. So, so, they're so that 300 the 300 acres. acres that have been in the news for the past year or so, that could actually, that deal, that transaction could be completed today? Yes. Um, I'm told the closing is today, the 6th. Um, and just so you know, the uh, they keep telling everyone that they're reaching out to the other property owners, and none of them have been contacted until Friday. They all started getting letters in the mail asking that they uh, agree to a purchase price for their properties at $5,000 an acre, and that they would like a one-year purchase agreement with a one-year option to extend. And they don't even want all of their properties. They want portions of their properties, but they don't define what portions of the properties they want. They won't define what they're going to use those pieces of property for. Um, There are no site plans. There are no surveys. There are no 
documentation of what they want, but at the end of the letter, and they don't you they do not use the word eminent domain, okay? I'm gonna specify they do not use that word. But the at the threat at the end of the letter is that they would rather pursue this project with their help and the purchase agreement rather than pursuing their other legal options. Okay. All right. And so I mean it it's clear what they're alluding to, but they don't want to they don't want to use the two words that strike fear in the heart of every American. But they have they've done it in their public meetings at the IDA. Right, but I'm saying watch. in in the mailing or in whatever they they the letter you right. You're well, correct. I I mean I I think that's I think that's uh the way I would proceed at at the beginning. Correct. So because we've seen what happens before when when an entity local government or whatever fires off uh an initial letter that sounds too harsh or threatening, sometimes people have to back away, so Well, my question again to you, you're you, you and your, all your fans and you have a number of callers who call in with you know, their heart's on their sleeve about this and that. They need to look at this project. There is no paperwork. It's been confirmed. There is no paperwork. So how did they get the money from Governor Hochul? They got $500,000. They would have had to provide site plans. They would have had to show uh, surveys or um, they would have had a consulting uh, firms doing consulting. There's no plan other than what, what I've told you, I mean, Bob, what's wrong with this whole picture? So nobody's talking about it. And we have a very important meeting at the town of Maine on the 21st of November. It will be six o'clock at the town hall. It's the town board public meeting. And Stacy Duncan is uh, scheduled to appear there that night to talk to the town board and answer questions for the town board. Um, I'm asking that any residents who are against this project or who are town of Maine residents even to uh, send a reply by email to the town board members or to the town board um, or show up for that meeting. Um, this is like the old project that they did back in the 60s when they wanted to do the incinerator. People showed up for that meeting and the town of Maine shut it down. Town of Maine right now wants to shut this down, and they need help um, with residents showing up and supporting their decision. So I'm appealing to the public to open their eyes, look up some things, uh, Google some things. But all these meetings at the IDA are visible on the uh, website at the IDA. Um, you can get involved with uh, contacting your board members and asking questions. but. We need to get involved locally, government-wise. Too many citizens, like Mr. Wolf explained, they get home after a long day of work. They would watch a video meeting. They would they would listen to a video meeting, but they won't get dressed to go out and go to that meeting. I, it's technology is here. What's wrong with these entities not using the technology that's available? It's for the benefit of the people. And they want to keep us all in the dark. So please, all of you, Vinny, Gary, um, Vic, you, you guys all know you're all you're smarter than I am, okay? I'm just an old guy who wants to keep my neighborhood. 
And some people think that's what it's all about, but it's not. There's there's a secret plan going on here and nobody knows what's going on. And I think it's just a land grab. All right. I Bob, appreciate thanks. your calling in. And keep me posted. Thanks, if, you, if you see any activity, the minute you see activity, call me. I'll send, I'll send my, the Bob Mobile will be on the road if you see any Bob, activity. Can, I'll take you out any day you want to go. You just give me 20 minutes of your time. And I'll, I'm telling you, there's more that you and I have, you shouldn't know. And if you haven't watched those IDA videos, watch that October meeting, please. It's a 30-minute meeting. Anybody, watch that IDA public meeting. It's, it, it will tell you a lot about what's going on. It's almost a comedy. Appreciate you. your call. Thanks. It's 9.51 WNBF. All are welcome. And when I say all, I mean all. 607-772-1290. What are your thoughts? I'd like to hear from you. It's a Monday morning at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. WNBF at 9.54. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is Glenn from Bessel, candidate for councilman. Good morning. What's up? Hi. So I just wanted to respond to uh, Mr. Wolf and his talk about getting video recorded for town board meetings. That is something that the Real Democracy for Vessel campaign, which I'm part of, has been uh, talking about since day one. So I think that's absolutely right. We do need to use the current technology, get some live streaming, get some recording so people can watch the board meetings later. Just want people to know that, yes, the Real Democracy for Vessel campaign has been promoting that idea for a very long time. But is it affordable? It is affordable. It's surprising how much technology has reduced in price, especially now that we have uh, CCD camera technology. They're in every phone, so the cameras are no problem. Um, the live stream is going to be a little bit of a cost only because there's probably a subscription involved, but we'll work that in. And again, as, as our campaign has told everybody, we will put this idea out to the public, show them the numbers, and let the residents of vessels decide if they want their tax dollars to pay for this kind of system. Pretty sure they do, but it is something we will let the voters decide when the time comes. All right. So what is going to happen today? It, it occurs to me today, nobody is allowed to vote. 
the early voting is over, and now people have to wait till 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I assume that the Democratic candidates, Republican candidates, and um, conservative party candidates were will take advantage of this brief lull in the voting to get in some last-minute campaigning around town? That's right. I myself will be driving out to the outer edges of Bastol to talk to people if they're home, put on door hangers if they're not so they know our campaign. Um, Maria Sexton is going to be driving around, also doing door-to-door. She's going to spend time, time on the Binghamton University campus today as well. And she has been doing this. She's very involved with this. She's been doing the door-to-door for at least the last month every day as time allows. So, yes, the campaigning will go on today. We're going to hit it hot and heavy and hope for all the best and hope that the residents of Vesto vote for us. All right. Well, I appreciate your calling in. I'm glad that now we, uh, I think, have heard a good cross-section from from, – well, certainly, we now have heard from all three supervisor candidates in the town of Vestal. Uh, I was glad that Ted Wolf called this morning. As I mentioned, uh, we will put the um, interview comments about uh, his vision for government in Vestal. We are going to add that to our story that was already posted Friday afternoon with John Schaefer and Maria Sexton, their comments on Friday's program. So I think you'll get a lot of information from our website, WNBF.com. Our goal, of course, is to give people as much information as possible and then make an informed decision. And remember, the voting tomorrow will be from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. If you have questions about where to vote, contact the Broome County Board of Elections. Or if you're outside Broome County, contact your appropriate Board of Elections if you have any questions about where to vote or how to vote. More coming up. We have just gotten started as we begin a brand new work week. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now on News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Increasing clouds today, high near 54. Tonight, showers likely with a lower on 45. Tuesday, partly sunny with a slight chance of showers and a high near 61. According to the Broome County Firewire, around 9 Sunday night, a tractor-trailer hauling cars was on fire on Route 17 at the exit 72 Airport Road. The highway was shut down for a time. No word of injuries. The cause is under investigation. According to local media reports, a tow truck crashed into the front of the Bridal Emporium in Endwell on Sunday morning. The reports note that according to Broome County Dispatch, there were no reported injuries. On the Bridal Emporium Facebook page, it was noted that the crash caused major damage to the building and the shop will be closed until further notice. A multi-year project to repair three sections of an 80-year-old flood wall in the city of Binghamton is underway. 
Construction crews have been at work on a crumbling portion of the protective wall along the Susquehanna River. The first phase of the project is occurring along Court Street, east of Tompkins Street and Brandywine Avenue. One eastbound traffic lane is closed while the work is underway. A spokesperson for the State Office of General Services said the portions of the flood wall being repaired were constructed in the 1940s. In addition to the Court Street section, work is planned along North Shore Drive and the Riverwalk. The repairs will include concrete rehabilitation and application of a paint coating system along with railing replacement. Curb and asphalt repair and replacement are also planned. According to the OGS spokesperson, the work along Court Street is the most substantial repair due to to its condition and adjacency to a heavily trafficked road. The paint coating on the wall along Court Street will be applied when warmer weather returns next year. The overall flood wall repair project is scheduled to be completed in February of 2025. When Donald Trump takes the stand today in a Manhattan courtroom courtroom to testify in his civil fraud trial, it will be an undeniable spectacle. He'll be a, a former president and the leading Republican presidential candidate defending himself against allegations that he dramatically inflated his net worth. The charges cut to the very heart of the brand Trump spent decades carefully crafting and put him at risk of losing control of much of his business empire. But the appearance will also mark the beginning of what will likely be a defining feature of the 2024 election. A major candidate on trial using the witness stand as a campaign platform. On November 5th, around 1.03 a.m. in the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to Interstate 81 in the town of Cortlandville for a reported motor vehicle accident. Officers determined Ashley Roach had been operating her motor vehicle in the opposite lane of travel, causing a head-on collision with another motor vehicle. Roach was determined to be intoxicated and was subsequently arrested and processed for driving while intoxicated, reckless driving, and multiple other vehicle and traffic law violations. She and the four occupants of the other vehicle all sustained minor injuries and were transported to medical facilities for evaluation. According to Homeland Security investigations from the Buffalo Field Office and the New York State Police, Michael Murray of Sydney was sentenced to 144 months in prison for a possession of child pornography. As part of his guilty plea, Murray admitted that on October of 2021, he possessed images and videos of child pornography on two cell phones and possessed images and videos of a child pornography within two email accounts that he owned and controlled. At the time of these offenses, Murray had a previous conviction in New York related to the possession of child pornography. Murray was also sentenced to 10 years of supervised release to follow his term of imprisonment. He was also ordered to forfeit two electronic devices that he used to commit these crimes and will be required to register as a sex offender upon his release from prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
WNBF. I'm Joseph, it's Binghamton now. We're live and local. We can't afford a teleprompter. Nobody will send me any talking points, so, you know, I do what I can. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll be taking more calls. Find out what's on your mind just hours before the polls open. What exactly is on your mind as uh, people across our area get set to go to the polls tomorrow? Prepare your thoughts and your concerns, and I'll let you know when to call in to discuss right here on News Radio. WNBF. Coming soon to the Binghamton area, Two Guys Comedy. It's a show that'll be um, coming on November 17th. That's a week from Friday. Stand up comedy with Mark Riccadonna and Tom Briscoe. It'll be at the Shore. Family Firehouse Stage in Johnson City. Joining us now is Mark Riccadonna. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Great. So you're in the Philadelphia area right now. Yes. Yeah, so I lived in New York City forever. I moved out to the burbs of uh, Philadelphia. I live out in the country. And uh, I laugh because my New York friends always, uh, and Tom's one of them, Tom, who I do the tour with. And New Yorkers, like New York City New Yorkers, not New York country New Yorkers. New York City guys think it's the only place that exists on Earth. Like, if it didn't happen in the five boroughs, it didn't really happen. You know, I uh, I tell them I moved down to um, where Washington crossed the Delaware, and they're, what? what? Is that by Bayonne? Is that by Bayonne? Is that by Staten Island? <laughs> I'm like, no, be you know, um, Valley Forge, where the encampments were, and the people, you never heard of them walking across the snow and the bare feet. And I did a little research to try to, uh, you know, uh, connect with them, and I found out that actually some of the first soldiers that went across those snowy fields were from Long Island. And I was like, oh, now it makes sense. There's a bunch of Long Island guys walking up to a snowy field. They're like, whoa, 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 hey, I'm wearing Gucci. I can't really... Uh, walk across that snow. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. How did you get interested in comedy? First, tell me a little bit about your very early life. Where were you growing up as as a kid, as a young Mark? Uh, so I was born in uh, the Youngstown, Ohio area. I grew up uh, out in the farmland <laughs> and uh, moved to New York as a teenager, New York City as a teenager. I was really in the sports. I was going to play football. Uh, in college, and uh, I got hurt and decided to try theater. And um, I just decided I wanted to be an actor. I had no experience. I had no anything. And I was like uh, a bad movie. I moved to New York and just right after graduation, moved to New York City and went in and started working my butt off. And next thing you know, I was working at a comedy club. Is it hard to be funny? Yes. Um, it is because there's no paper that says that you're officially a uh, comedian. So everybody with a sense of humor feels that they have the entitlement to tell you what is or is not funny. And nobody uh, ever takes in consideration that it could be their opinion. Well, and the so, line is uh, always shifting. What's funny today may be totally unfunny a month from I now. Agree. I agree and I disagree because everybody's argument on this is they always say blazing saddles would never be made today. Yeah, it would. I think it would be made today. Think about what's on TV. 
could uh, Breaking Bad be on TV in the 70s? They would never have let that fly. So I feel like uh, funny's funny, and it's, that's why I love live, because they're, uh, uh, you come and you can laugh, and nobody can stop you from doing that. But what happens when you're when you're in a room where, for whatever reason, people show up at a comedy club, but for some reason they're not really prepared to laugh? That's got to be tough. <laughs> oh, that's it's the hardest thing in the world. Is uh, I shouldn't say it's the hardest thing in the world. There's a lot of harder things, but as a comic, it's the hardest thing. Well, yes, you you're try you're you're trying you're you're breaking your. <clears throat> there trying to <laughs> trying to get a couple of laughs and and everybody is you know it's it's quieter than a typical funeral home this I, i've never tried it i've i've often thought that i want to try stand-up comedy at some place and maybe someday i will but i'm not sure that i could could stand the the, the prospect of rejection you know coming up with eight minutes of what i think is hilarious and then everybody like who the yeah, heck are you? Sudden, <laughs> yeah. I, I've had, I mean, I have many stories of times that, you know, you go out and the crowd is just, or something bad happened right before, right before uh, you go on stage, you know, they talk about a memoriam right before, uh, you know, that's playing the video of the person who just passed away, who they love that worked at their company. And then they're like, all right, now the comedy of Mark Riccadonna. And you're like, well, this was just set up for a disaster. Yeah, yeah, and then you have to do well. Switching gears, and you have to be delicate, <laughs> you know, without without um, making people totally angry and upset, and start throwing who knows what <laughs> at you. And, and and yeah, you have to. I I think that's though the beauty of live, whether it's stand up comedy or me doing a stand-up show on, on radio. On I mean, so, yeah. some, sometimes people enjoy what you're doing and sometimes not so much. But <laughs> I, I have to say, there, there, is a certain, there is a certain thrill to doing something live and not knowing yeah. precisely how it's going to be received. Yeah, and sometimes it goes the other way. I, like, so a, a perfect example, this was actually uh, uh, not that close to you, but Troy, New York, I was playing there. And this is when I very first started doing stand up. I was in Troy, New York, and it was Good Friday. And I'll never forget, I was in the green room about to go on stage. And my manager called me and told me I just got fired from I was working on a show on the Food Network. And he told me I lost the job. And I'm like, listen, they're bringing me on stage. Can we talk about this? Maybe? Tomorrow, like I'm being brought on stage. <laughs> Just get, get I, you know, bad personal news and is like, <laughs> and now the comedy stylings of Mark Riccadonna. <laughs> Let's hear it for Mark. I walked out. It was dead silent. Like they, nobody clapped nothing when I walked out and I was already like had this lump in my gut. And I, I thought it was a funny line. And I said, if this is Troy, I'm with the Romans. And somebody threw a bread uh, roll at me. <laughs> Could have been worse. Could have been a brick. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I started, I mean, I kind of, I've always had this, you're in the moment you're in, you can't change it exactly. You know, you have to work to change the moment. So I realized I was bombing and I decided to like make light of it. And I said, wow. And on Good Friday, now I know what Jesus went through. 
And somebody in the front row yelled at me, yeah, but Jesus will come back. And I was like, whoa, all right, when the audience is funnier than you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing. And, and, you know, let's face it, I always, when I always hope when it comes to whether, even when I'm at a, say, a comedy show, when I've been to some comedy shows, say, in Binghamton or elsewhere, and I see somebody's not doing as well as he or she expected, I always hope that... Uh, at the end of the set, the, the crowd is still going to be polite and understand. This is one of the one of the the more challenging things you can do. As you say, it's not the hardest thing. It's not the hardest job on the planet, but it can be at least psychologically <laughs> one of the toughest challenges an individual can face. And I always laugh because comics take the number one the number one fear is public speaking. That's everybody's number one fear. Like in all those different things, they will fight the number one fear just to be accepted by a group of people. Like that's pretty, that's mentally nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet there are people who are willing to do it and people who always, always are willing to go, whether it's to uh, New York city or Los Angeles and give it a shot, even though in fairness, the, the odds are stacked against you. We're talking with Mark Riccadani. Uh, Rick Adana, he and uh, Tom Briscoe will be appearing in Johnson City a week from Friday at the Shore Family Firehouse stage. Two Guys Comedy. Tell me what people can expect when you and Tom Briscoe hit Johnson City on November 17th. I, uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the thing. Tom and I both have separate careers on our own. We've been both doing it for, I've been doing it 20 years. He's been doing it 25 years. And we both traveled the world, me with the USO, him on cruise ships. We've been everywhere, and our favorite thing in the world is sitting with other comics and telling jokes. Just telling jokes, you know, just having a good time and laughing, forgetting about our problems. So what we like to do is get together, and when we do our show together, uh, we both do our own stand-up, but then we also go through a lot of our favorite jokes. and. Um, Tell stories about our family. He's had two daughters. I have two sons. Uh, he's uh, empty nesting. I have little kids. So we compare and contrast all the fun stuff of, uh, well, it's not just fatherhood. We talk about marriage. We talk about, I grew up Italian in an Italian household. He grew up in an Irish household. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot on the table for people to relate to. Well, it sounds as though you you have fun doing this, and and the fact that you can work with someone else, and I would have to say that that can be tough. I, it's, for example, doing a program like I do here, where I'm yeah. the host, and I'm not, you know, uh, playing off uh, a co-host. For me, that's that seems a lot easier than finding the right person and and the right chemistry to do a two-person show and and tell me about how how it was making an adjustment from going to doing solo comedy to working with tom briscoe uh so you know when you're out on the road and you're by yourself it's um it, i mean not only is it lonely but it's also um you have your, your moments where you sit in your, your hotel room before the show and you're wondering, uh, 
Yeah, I'd love to talk about this. I don't know how to bring this up. I don't know how to do this. But when you're with your buddy, and like, I mean, for instance, anybody out there listening, when you're in the car with your best friend, who makes you laugh hard? Like, he's sitting in the car just going back and forth. And so I know how to egg him on, and he knows how to get me stirred up, and we really give it to each other and make each other work. Um, so we have a lot of fun doing so. And I, I really love the aspect of working with another working with another comic. Um, and I think Tom's the same way. We just we really enjoy each other's company. And then when we're on stage, we don't like necessarily play toppers like who's who's funnier, you know, that kind of a thing. But we really egg each other on to uh, keep going and to, to go a little further than we probably would in our solo show. So it sounds as though when when the two of you get get together and are working together, there's a, a synergy that ensues that that can take it up a couple levels. Yeah, and especially like you know something could happen and in one of our lives or you know in, in in the world, and we know if it bothers the other one or if it it serves them up or something, we egg them on, and you you know you try to. We try to make the most fun as we can, but we try to keep it cringe-free. We try to avoid, I know it's uh, election time, but uh, we try to avoid anything like politics or religion or things that can kind of make people cranky because we want people to leave happy. Well, and to be fair, especially in this day and age with radio talk, cable talk shows, and social media, uh, people are bombarded <laughs> With all sorts yeah, they, of stuff, uh, whether it's politics, <laughs> religion, or just conflict. And sometimes I think by the time, say, a Friday night rolls around, people just want to be able to exhale and, and have a yeah. few laughs with their friends, regardless of their political persuasion or their religious views. Yeah, we want you to just come and have a good time. Forget about your problems for a little bit. Um, I, you know, I mean, we will talk to you occasionally on on. Things, but we try to avoid the third rail topics, you know. But if you do want to get out of buying Christmas gifts for people at Thanksgiving this year, I suggest just talk all the politics you can at the table. <laughs> You're guaranteed to cut your list in half. Certainly. <laughs> Certainly can cast a pall over an otherwise joyous holiday season. It's like, no, Bob, I, I think we can wait another five or ten years till we get together. It's been... <laughs> It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Two Guys Comedy coming up in Johnson City on November 17th. That's a week from this Friday at the Firehouse Stage. That's the Shore Family Firehouse Stage. Tickets are available online at firehousestage.org. And you'll be treated to humor from our guest, Mark Riccadonna, and his friend and sidekick, Tom Briscoe. Mark, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me on, and I really look forward to coming to see you guys. It's funny, I'm I'm playing a little further north uh, the week before, and then I'm flying to Florida for a week to go to Disney with my kids, and then I'll be with you guys. I fly home early from the vacation to come hang with you guys, so you might hear some Disney or Florida jokes. <laughs> oh, I... I already have. You you bring up Disney in Florida. I've got 10 minutes worth of material right there. It's not going to be broadcast, folks.
<laughs> but it would all be in good fun. All in yeah. good fun. Mark yeah. Riccadonna, thank you so much. Uh, wish you the you. best in your, your travels over the next few weeks. And then people in uh, Johnson City and the Binghamton area oh, can enjoy your, your show coming up November 17th. All right. Thank you for having me. Take Have a care. good one. Bye-bye. Sten 26, live and local. What's on your mind? 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Hi. certainly wouldn't hear Ben Crosby singing that, would you? It's 10.30, WNBF Binghamton. Welcome to my world. I love it. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who has been so supportive of the Futabago. Cleverly set up at 1290 Upper Front Street, people say... Well, Bob, what's the address of the Futabago? I say, 1290 Upper Front Street. And they say, how did you manage that, 1290? And I said, well, that's because 92.1 Front Street was taken. So, 1290 Upper Front Street at the Wise Supermarket parking lot. Uh, really did enjoy chatting with WNBF listeners over the last few days. So uh, thanks, you uh, have come through. As, as usual, this has been a tradition, the effort to support the Chow program locally. This has been going on with WNBF and our affiliated stations here at Town Square Media. It's been going on for a long time. I've lost track, it just seems that it's, uh, it's one of those traditions that's useful and it shows how much people in our area care about each other. One of the things that is notable from a number of the people who stop by to make food donations or in some cases cash donations to support Chow, in many cases, the people who are providing support this year in the past have benefited from the Chow program. And I heard a number of stories from people who are grateful that Chow existed and was able to help them and their families when they were in need. And that is one of the key things about Chow. It's there 
for people when they need help. And you never know. Things may be going well right now, but maybe at some point in the next couple of months or the next several months, you may need some food assistance. And Chow will help. And as I say, thanks to the people who listen to Town Square media radio stations, or in some cases, maybe they don't even listen to the stations, but they heard about this effort. Or they saw that the Futabago was set up in the parking lot of the Y supermarket at 1290 Upper Front Street in the town of Shenango, and they said, that's something I'd like to support. So we thank you. It's 1032 WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. This is Carolyn Price. Oh, good morning. Carolyn Price from the town of Windsor. How are you? Yes, very good. Nice sunny morning. Yeah. What's the latest from the town of Windsor? I haven't haven't been in the town of Windsor in, in a few months. What's going on? Well, as always, Windsor is a very active town. Um, the village on Saturday is going to be dedicating a new veterans memorial. Uh, which we're very excited about. And where is that located? Uh, It will be near the village building, their community house. Uh, They had one there and they completely renovated it. It's absolutely beautiful what they have done. And they're going to have a ceremony Saturday at 11 a.m. Well, that's appropriate. So thank you for that information. What else is on your mind today? Well, you know, as people are deciding to vote, I I think that people really should stand back and ask, you know, what kind of leadership do we want? And I feel we should have authentic leadership. And I'm basing that on having taught leadership classes at the post-master's level. And also currently, I'm in leadership study at the doctoral level. So I feel I'm qualified to talk about leadership, and I think authentic leadership will be especially important for who our district attorney is. So I thought maybe probably some of the listeners may have studied leadership. I'm going to try to keep this simple, but there are some key characteristics of an authentic leader. Uh, The first is a moral compass, and some people might say, well, what's a moral compass? Well, it's the ability to judge what is right and wrong, and then act accordingly. Uh, Another characteristic, Bob, is strong values, and again, that ties into doing the right thing. Another is being ethical, uh, treating others with dignity and respect. Uh, This one I'm sure people are very familiar with. Being honest, telling the truth. And another key one is being genuine. And that is when you act and do what you say you will and not putting a false front out there for people. So those are key characteristics of authentic leadership. And I think most people listening to that would say, yes, that's the type of leader that we want. All right. So what are your thoughts about the way the campaign has been conducted? Campaigns. Well, just general. I I don't, you don't have to get too specific, but just general. As someone, I mean, you, you've run, you've run in the past. 
uh, for mm-hmm. a town supervisor, and and you you know what it's like to run your own campaign. You know what it's like to be subjected to um, opposition opposition campaigns. So, what, what just a brief perspective from you know your your years in the town of Windsor and Eastern Broome County. Well, as I look at the campaign for district attorney, certainly uh, Paul Patisti has spent a lot of money, um, and Matt Ryan, it appears that he has not. Uh, So you have a lot of information on one side and not as much information on the other. Uh, I've I've listened to this. Uh, I've read any print material that's out there or anything that's on social media. And I do believe that Matt Ryan has the characteristics of authentic leadership because I believe the man has a moral compass. He has strong values. He's ethical. He's honest and he's genuine. And that might surprise some people, but I try to look at things objectively. Certainly there are some things in his views that I don't agree with. Some may remember the natural gas <laughs> debate that we had on, and certainly Matt Ryan and I were op- on opposite ends of that. Well, that's right. During the the um, years when when fracking was being um, discussed and debated in the Marcellus Shale in New York State, um, it's it's true. Matthew Ryan had had views that were different than yours, and. Also of note, different from the views of Vic Furman, who has since endorsed Matt Ryan. And, and by the way, from talking with both uh, Mr. Ryan and Mr. Furman, I know their views on fracking haven't changed. Uh, although, and they, they disagree on some other issues too, to, to be blunt. I don't think that's a surprise to, to any of our listeners. They, they know that uh, Mr. Ryan and Mr. Furman don't necessarily see eye to eye on some other important issues. Yes. So that's why I'm trying to look at it objectively and why I looked at characteristics and how they match up to authentic leadership, which certainly should be the type of leadership we want in the district attorney's office, especially based on what they have to do in that job. So. You know, I ask Nick my questions like, you know, does uh, Paul Batiste have a moral compass when he has a record? He hired a person under the table in his business. You know, is that a demonstrating moral compass? Uh, does he have strong values? Uh, are strong values present when you have a friend have an ex-wife? falsely arrested in front of the children. Uh, I don't think that shows strong values. Uh, is, is he ethical? Uh, we're aware of a situation where he spoke despairingly about a female candidate for an office. Uh, is he honest? Is he telling the truth? And a big part of that previous campaign was uh, making the accusation that Michael Korchak had had so many cases dismissed and it was obtained via a foil. And I'm aware of a person that made the contact to get the foil and the foil does not exist. So is that honesty? 
and regarding uh, genuine, okay, it, it just seems to be uh, a false front. Uh, I've seen it over and over again. Uh, it's come in a mailer. It's been on social media a lot. Uh, it may have been on television. I don't watch television, Bob. Uh, but anyway, uh, a false front of, you know, a family man, and he may be very good in his family, but he keeps talking about people ask me why I'm running for district attorney. And he said, there's six reasons, my wife and five children. And I believe another listener has brought this up. The facts are he has two children. That's wonderful. But the other three are children. Uh, by another person with his second wife. So it's misleading the public. And I believe that a person, particularly running for district attorney, the chief person uh, doing prosecutions in court for the county and the people of the county, should certainly be a very genuine person and not putting a false front out there. Appreciate your uh, thoughts. Of course, I uh, would welcome anybody from Mr. Batiste's campaign to call in if if they, or even the candidate himself, if if they want to respond to what you said. I, I do appreciate your uh, thoughts. I might head out to Windsor one of these days. So if you see if you see a reporter who looks like me, come up and say hello. Yes. Well, I would also say that I was very disappointed at the end of last week uh, when Matt Ryan was on and, and has spoken very openly, which I believe shows his genuineness, uh, that Paul Patisti has not come on. And well, he has come, to be fair. No, he was also on last week. Right. One of the things, though, that disappointed me as host of the program is he declined my invitations to be on the program with Mr. Ryan so we could talk about the issues together. And so yeah. uh, to be to be clear, Paul Battisti has been here in the studio twice to answer my questions for one-on-one -on -one interviews, but um, there just was no, there was no broadcast debate or issue discussion with, with both candidates present. And I, I thought that was, I thought that was, uh, disappointing. I mean, not just personally, but also for the voters of Broome County. Yes, and I agree with you. And I have listened to those previous broadcasts, and I am aware of that. But now that we're near voting, and I believe Matt Ryan was on near the end of last week, and after that, uh, I believe that uh, Paul Patisti did not call in or come in. But I believe that Rich David called in to speak on his behalf. And I totally agree with you. There should be a debate, a lively debate between the candidates so the voters can hear their views and what they plan to do and also see and hear who they are. And that has not happened in this very important race. That's disappointing. I agree with you. Carolyn Price former town of Windsor supervisor. Thank you for calling in. Yes. Have a great day, Bob. Thank you. Stand 43. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Binghamton now at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com.
1045 WNBF 607-772-1290. We're listening to the voices of the people. Vic from the Forks. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I'm uh, listening to the show as I always do, or try to always do. And I heard Carolyn Price talking about the uh, district attorney race and about her education and, and the character of the candidates and the leadership abilities. And I couldn't agree with her more. Um, Matt Ryan and Ag have had very strong differences toward one another when it comes to politics. But this is not a political office, in my opinion. It's not a political office. It might be a political campaign, but it's not a political office. And in response to uh, uh, Mary Rich David calling on Friday at the end of the hour, I that, that kind of bothered me that he would bring up Matt Ryan and I's disagreement at Davies Bar uh, to the people of, of this audience of yours. Uh, when he himself has had the same kind of problems, and admittedly he admitted it, but he didn't admit the same problem, uh, uh, altercation in a bar. So we have to look at this picture, Bob. Uh, people who are going to vote tomorrow and who may have already voted or mailed in, uh, it's probably too late for them. But it's important that the character of the person be weighed and in, in my opinion, and my opinion is an educated one because of interactions with Mr. Battisti, he is not the candidate at all we should choose for office. He is biased toward women. Uh, he doesn't tell the truth. Uh, and like Carolyn said, to have the children watch him have his ex-wife arrested over a custody battle that he was going through in court by Sheriff Akshar, out of jurisdiction, is well noted in the facts on, on the Internet and in Press Connect. Uh, we're, we're looking at a man here that might win the district attorney's office, which is important for the safety of the community, who has a track record of being his puppet string being pulled by Fred Akshar. Uh, uh, he, he has a track record of dishonesty. Uh, the, the man does not belong as a district attorney. And Matt Ryan and I are different politics very much, but I'm backing him because of, of, of the importance of this job in community safety. Uh, Matt Ryan and I don't see eye to eye on gastroling. We don't see eye and eye on a lot of different political views. Uh, on the, uh, January 6th, me and, uh, me and him go back and forth. But one thing that came out of mine and Matt Ryan's altercation was we were able to become friends. We talk things out. Now we do it in such a civil way that even though we both get very loud and uh, anxious, we can still finish the conversation with, hey, talk to you tomorrow. Because that's what we need in this area. We, Republican Democrats are so divided anymore. We got to come together and start voting for the best candidate, not for the one with the R or the D or any other initial in front of the name. We got to vote. People need to educate themselves on who they're voting for. And Bob, I got to tell you, since those commercials have been airing that I put on the uh, Hawk and uh, uh, your station and WAL, my phone and my email box is loaded up with people who are saying, Vic, what happened to you? Are you sick? Why did you switch sides? Are some uh, people angry? 
oh, a lot of people are angry. But when I talk to them and explain to them and tell them what I know, they calm down and they understand. Some are still going to vote the uh, Republican candidate, but most of the people I've talked to, they said, I'm glad you told me this. You know, and you know what I'm talking about because we spoke in private about what I'm talking about, and I'm not allowed to say it on there, so I won't. But it had to do with the character of Mr. Battisti, and that's enough being said there. But I'm telling you, Bob, my email box has been flooded with comments from people. Uh, I can't believe I'm supporting Matt Ryan. And you got to. Well, next thing you know, you're going to wind up endorsing Joe Biden. No, that'll never happen. By the way, I, I. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. But but again, I appreciate your calling in. As I've pointed out throughout this campaign, everybody is allowed to call in to express opinions. And that's that's one of the, I think, most important aspects of any campaign and on any talk program. I think this program is unique. Some people say, well, Bob, there are other programs like it. I'm not aware of a local program that is like this, that has allowed people, the candidates in the key races to come on, and people, supporters, and people who are opposed come in or call in and express opinions. I think it's rare. In this day and age, I think it's rare that a host will allow people to discuss important issues and just encourage people to think. Think about your choices. Always think about your choices. Think about our community. Think about our state. Think about our nation. No matter what choices you make, spend as much time as possible thinking about it. I know people are so busy. and I know sometimes people don't even have time to think too much about even what they're going to have for lunch in an hour. Sometimes people are so busy they don't have time for lunch. So I understand. You are busy. Your time is valuable. You don't have much discretionary time. But we do appreciate the people who listen to the program and, when possible, the people who contribute to the program. The reality is more than 99% of the people who listen to the program Never contact us because they're too busy. If you want to contact us between now and noon, the phone number is for you. 607-772-1290. Live and local, I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. Tell 
1054 WNBF. Interesting story in the Syracuse paper, uh, the Post Standard, and the website Syracuse.com. And it's a story that I think probably is applicable to the Binghamton area. I don't have the numbers at hand to prove it, but I think that this uh, is a situation that probably is occurring not only in Syracuse, but here in Binghamton. So the big headline, Syracuse area isn't building enough housing. These numbers show how grim it is. This would be a good story for Binghamton journalists. If I was the assignment editor, I would assign this to a Binghamton journalist. The lead in the story by Kevin Tampone from Syracuse.com, local politicians, real estate experts, and advocates all agree the Syracuse area isn't building enough new housing. I would say that's true, and I would say the sentence could also be altered to say the Binghamton area isn't building enough new housing. Numbers from the Census Bureau's building permit survey show how bad the situation is in Syracuse. Permits for both new single-family units and units of any type reached low points in 2022 in census records dating back over 30 years. Now, that's for the Syracuse area. I don't have the numbers for the Binghamton area, but I believe from talking with people and my observation that the numbers would be similar. Syracuse.com story goes on to report the dismal numbers are one factor in why the current housing market in Syracuse is such a nightmare for buyers. There just aren't enough homes to go around for everyone looking. Higher prices for existing homes and interest rates aren't helping either. So permits for new housing units in the Syracuse area totaled only three 47 last year, an all-time low in census records. Single-family permits fell to a low of 255 last year. So maybe at some point I'll track down the numbers for the Binghamton area for Broome County or Broome and Tioga counties. I would think that this is probably similar to what's going on up in uh, the Syracuse area. Hmm. Well, maybe it's not as bad here. The story also says Onondaga County stands out for its low level of new housing units among all four of the big upstate New York counties. Well, Broome County isn't one of the big four counties. It says the county's total number of units to get permits last year was lower than the totals issued in Erie, Monroe, and Albany counties. The county was second from the bottom in permits for single-family units last year. But just look around. How many, how many housing units actually are being constructed around here? Now, I will say, for example... And you might think this is a bright spot, or maybe you don't think it's a bright spot. But look at one project in particular that we have covered. That was the conversion of the old Victory factory in Johnson City into 156 apartments. So number of housing units in Johnson City has gone up dramatically over the last couple of years because of that project. But keep in mind, 
those housing units are targeted for a specific market and there are quite a few people who might want to live there who simply couldn't live there. So there are some bright spots. There really isn't that much single-family house construction going on at the moment in Broome County. But, well, you know, drive around. Drive around the triple cities and you'll see what the housing condition is. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Monday morning, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Increasing clouds today, high near 54. Tonight, showers likely with a lower on 45. Tuesday, partly sunny with a slight chance of showers and a high near 61. According to the Broome County Firewire, around 9 Sunday night, a tractor-trailer hauling cars was on fire on Route 17 at the exit 72 Airport Road. The highway was shut down for a time. No word of injuries. The cause is under investigation. According to local media reports, a tow truck crashed into the front of the Bridal Emporium in Endwell on Sunday morning. The reports note that according to Broome County Dispatch, there were no reported injuries. On the Bridal Emporium Facebook page, it was noted that the crash caused major damage to the building and the shop will be closed until further notice. A multi-year project to repair three sections of an 80-year-old flood wall in the city of Binghamton is underway. Construction crews have been at work on a crumbling portion of the protective wall along the Susquehanna River. The first phase of the project is occurring along Court Street, east of Tompkins Street and Brandywine Avenue. One eastbound traffic lane is closed while the work is underway. A spokesperson for the State Office of General Services said the portions of the flood wall being repaired were constructed in the 1940s. In addition to the Court Street section, work is planned along North Shore Drive and the Riverwalk. The repairs will include concrete rehabilitation and application of a paint coating system along with railing replacement. Curb and asphalt repair and replacement are also planned. According to the OGS spokesperson, the work along Court Street is the most substantial repair due to its, due to its condition and adjacency to a heavily trafficked road. The paint coating on the wall along Court Street will be applied when warmer weather returns next year. The overall flood wall repair project is scheduled to be completed in February of 2025. When Donald Trump takes the stand today in a Manhattan courtroom, courtroom to testify in his civil fraud trial, it will be an undeniable spectacle. He'll be a, a former president and the leading Republican presidential candidate defending himself against allegations that he dramatically inflated his net worth. The charges cut to the very heart of the brand Trump spent decades carefully crafting and put him at risk of losing control of much of his business empire. But the appearance will also mark the beginning of what will likely be a defining feature of the 2024 election. A major candidate on trial using the witness stand as a campaign platform. 
On November 5th, around 1.03 a.m. in the Cortland County Sheriff's Office responded to Interstate 81 in the town of Cortlandville for a reported motor vehicle accident. Officers determined Ashley Roach had been operating her motor vehicle in the opposite lane of travel, causing a head-on collision with another motor vehicle. Roach was determined to be intoxicated and was subsequently arrested and processed for driving while intoxicated, reckless driving, and multiple other vehicle and traffic law violations. She and the four occupants of the other vehicle all sustained minor injuries and were transported to medical facilities for evaluation. According to Homeland Security investigations from the Buffalo Field Office and the New York State Police, Michael Murray of Sydney was sentenced to 144 months in prison for a possession of child pornography. As part of his guilty plea, Murray admitted that on October of 2021, he possessed images and videos of child pornography on two cell phones and possessed images and videos of a child pornography within two email accounts that he owned and controlled. At the time of these offenses, Murray had a previous conviction in New York related to the possession of child pornography. Murray was also sentenced to 10 years of supervised release to follow his term of imprisonment. He was also ordered to forfeit two electronic devices that he used to commit these crimes and will be required to register as a sex offender upon his release from prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph on Binghamton now. 607-772-1290 is our number. hit the phones and we're gonna hit them hard well not that hard they're made out of cheap plastic so gently touch the phone control panel hi wnbf what's your first name where are you calling from well hello uh bob this is john i'm in binghamton right now hi how are things in parlor city fine I'd like to comment uh, on your comments earlier about housing starts and the housing situation. Uh, you know, I have mentioned this for about 20 years, that the public officials, uh, these central planners, and this is what you, this is the problem in Broome County. You have people that are centrally planning housing, and they are going big time into uh, subsidized housing with uh, tax credits. They are ignoring the fact that there's a half a dozen or so publicly traded home builders that they should be clearing land for and inviting into the community. Uh, so what you have is 
a real, real disconnect between Binghamton and Broome County and the quality of the housing stock, uh, which is deteriorating every day. You just oh, have it's to bad. Walk. Oh, it's bad. You know, the uh, uh, city hall announced last week that another seven rundown, crumbling, dilapidated structures were coming down. And I talked with um, some of the people who were doing the demolitions. I, we we were trying to figure out how many how many old buildings residential commercial industrial or whatever in binghamton need to come down and all we could say well at least hundreds probably more than hundreds probably a couple thousand at least well what's worse than that is this program that the city has where they sell these lots uh, to your neighbors. So, in other words, uh, person A doesn't pay his taxes, and this is a, a situation uh, that occurs all the time, and people don't pay their taxes, not because they've got a lot of money in the bank. Uh, they're forced out of their home through foreclosure. The city bulldozes it, sells it to the neighbor for $500, which doesn't even uh, come close to the value of the property, nor does it even come uh, cover the closing costs with the proviso that that lot is never to be built on. Now, what kind of crazy policy is this where you're you're demolishing houses and then you're not uh, at all encouraging new construction? This is the problem with the land bank. The land bank is a high overhead house flipper, uh, which uh, is uh, really ridiculous. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got people that, that flip one or two properties a year. They're being paid $80,000 a year to sit at a desk uh, and, and essentially do nothing for most of the month except the, for the monthly meeting. Uh, the, these people have got screws loose really, really bad. We, uh, and, and let me tell you something. In the days of, say, Bucci, when uh, Ansco packed up, or Anatec, whatever it was back then, uh, this city did have some competitive advantages. It had lower grocery prices and low rents. Now those competitive advantages that Broome County once had are no longer there. For example, let me give you an example. If you have $3,000 a month and are willing to live with three other people, in other words, student housing, uh, rent a bedroom, uh, for, for a total of four people spending 3000 a month, you can go to any place in the United States, including some pretty good areas for that figure. So you don't have to live in an old factory, EJ factory. Uh, you can almost get a, a beach access property in a lot of pleasant places. So the, the competitive ad advantages are gone. This is government central planning, uh, and it's absolutely abhorrent. Uh, and I don't know why the people that are supposed to be conservatives or Republicans or whatever, they're, they're mostly just anti-Trumpers, uh, think that they can get away with hoodwinking the, the, the public. But what you and, and, you know, this problem goes back to Juanita Crabb. Uh, she was doing targeted approaches. I remember one of them was Arthur Avenue. That's that's the uh, Arthur Street, rather. Uh, yeah, on the west side, just uh, yeah. off Main, on the south side of uh, Main Street, yeah, near the church. That, uh, better known as uh, the start of the parades. Uh, 
she did, uh, in her administration, a code sweep and was going to totally redo uh, that, uh, that little street. And, uh, you know, that was her approach. Uh, the problem now is, is that it's not just one bad house on the street. If you go and really look, and you have to walk around to do this, you come back with what the head of Hess Department Store said about Binghamton. We're not going into Binghamton. We're not going into the mall. We're going to Elmira because people in Binghamton, Johnson City, don't paint their houses frequently enough uh, for us to risk uh, putting in a brand new department store. So th th this is so what that goes back 50 years ago. That was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right around, I think, 1972 or 73 that the people in charge of uh, Hess department stores came to the conclusion that, that things weren't heading in the right direction in Binghamton. Hey. And here's another problem. The IDA, you know, when these projects come in, they don't pay any mortgage recording tax. They don't pay any sales tax on the building permit. So imagine if a uh, homeowner who was doing a new kitchen could say, well, we're going to we're going to go to the IDA and get a sales tax uh, uh, uh elimination for all of our kitchen and bath uh, remodeling uh see and you know that creates just as much many just creates just as much of a job as uh student housing or any of these other old warehouse projects but here's the point you've got to understand about binghamton and brook county it's always always chasing the last big thing loft living these urban uh, core type things that was 20 years ago that is not now now let me just say one thing you can't have any kind of growth plan without young families and young families are not conducive uh to be uh, raised in old warehouses in the middle of blight and uh, uh crime that uh, still exists in our area so look uh, I wish people all the luck in the world, but believe me, Binghamton is way behind the times, and it's uh, Grisham's law. They are crowding out good money with this bad money of all these housing uh, things, misusing American Rescue Plan. I mean, you would be better off, Bob, saying, uh, come down to City Hall, fill out a simple form, and we're going to paint your house with American rescue funds, uh, you know, because believe me, you look one by one by one. And keep in mind that how real estate markets die is by the lack of listings and you need turnover, which you don't have now. So we're right up there now. We're a very, very expensive place to live and not a very clean and nice and crime-free place to live. So that's on them. Thank you, John. It's 1119 WNBF. Everyone, I can't stress this enough, everyone is allowed to call in. You don't have to ask my position. I mean my permission. My position is I'm standing here. I don't, I don't sit in the studio. I know some people, they come into the studio and say, why are you standing in front of the microphone? Why do you do that for three hours? Why don't you just sit down? 
like those other hosts do. And I say it doesn't sound as good when you're sitting down. That's my position. I stand and take a position here in the studio from 9 to noon because it sounds better. As far as uh, permission to call in, you don't need my permission. 607-772-1290. Everybody, everybody should call. See if the phone lines work. That's how we find out in America whether the phone lines work. This is no longer the era of New York Telephone where you could call up the Binghamton phone company general manager and ask her about phone lines. That ship has sailed. The only way I know our phone lines are working is when you call them on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. Close your eyes and imagine what a quiet island might be like somewhere, oh, I don't know, out in the Pacific. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph holding court till noon. Just see who calls in. Maria from Vestal. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. Good morning. It's Maria Sexton. How are you? Oh, great. Great. You know, the campaign is now in its final hours. We did have an opportunity at the top of the program today to speak with the Republican candidate, Ted Wolf, and I enjoyed my conversation with him. Yeah, um, I, I heard everything that he said. Um, first of all, I believe that, you know, he's well-intentioned and he wants to make Festival better. However, um, I strongly believe that what he said about taxes is very concerning. Um, because he just brushed it off saying, well, it's the cost, costs go up and everything. Um, and again, I believe he's well-intentioned. Yes, some costs go up, but you have to look at everything. And he even threw out that his taxes increased um, twice. And you know what? I'm very glad that he can afford it, but not everybody can. And I don't believe that if there's excess in the budget, that we should have to pay for it. So even if you can afford it, it should be as cost efficient as possible. And there is a lot of excess. I mean, you have to look at the numbers and say from 2017, they've increased the budget over $9 million. Um, and taxes, our taxes have uh, increased consistently over that time period as well. Um, and the projected numbers for next year, according to their own budget, 
our taxes are going up again. And it's, you know, safer is a different story. But you have to deal with the continual increase. There's a natural cost increase that's built in, as I think he was referring to. So salaries go up a little bit. Materials go up a little bit. You always have to fight that. However, $9 million since 2017 is not a natural increase. It's a huge expansion of what they're doing. And everybody has a right to look at it. So our plan, um, I'm, you know, I obviously, hopefully everybody understands. I'm running with uh, Glenn Miller and Robert Green, who are two very, very intelligent, um, dedicated, um, capable people um, that I truly respect. Um, but our plan is to address it, but to look at the excess so that to look at the stuff that isn't necessary and to try to increase efficiency, but while still protecting our workers. We can't just keep going up. Not everybody can afford it. And honestly, if there's stuff in there that only benefits a few people rather than everybody, we need to reevaluate that. And I've seen the line-by-line -line budget. That is 100% the case. There is a lot that we can work with. But you know what? People shouldn't have to sneak people documents so that they can read what the reality is. Everybody has a right to where their taxes go. Everybody has a right to a real say. And we have a plan that if you use technology, we can show you everything that's going on. I'm so glad that Ted embraced, um, you know, being a little more transparent in terms of, uh, you know, showing the meetings and things like that. However, it's really, really important that people have a real say. And using technology, you can not only broadcast what you're doing, you can allow people and encourage people to have real input. Um, and that needs to be done. You know, we need to look at stuff that benefits only a few. And as a community, decide what things we want to keep. First of all, essentials, you know, essentials are stuff that are absolutely going to be there. But everybody has a right to know how much they cost and how expensive they are. Um, and then you look at, look at the excess. Our town personnel work very hard. So in none of our programs, it's all about protecting them to make sure that they never have to worry about their job. And even much more so and much as importantly, they become part of the team. I learned as a supervisor, the best thing you can do is respect your people, trust them, and listen to them. And with me, that's exactly what would happen. They would get a voice for the very first time so that they can make suggestions. They can say if something isn't working. They can help us improve as well. But they can relax and know that their job is secure. Maria Sexton. Maria Sexton, mm -hmm. thank you so much for calling in. Mm -hmm. and well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and I just hope people get out there and vote. And I hope that they vote for change. But, Bob, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, regardless of how the election goes, I, I hope mm -hmm. I hope later in the week we can hear from all three of the candidates. Not necessarily Wednesday, because I, I wouldn't be surprised that all three candidates would like a break, but maybe Thursday or Friday, just talking briefly. 
doesn't have to be long, but uh, regardless of how things go with the election, uh, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk with each candidate. And, you know, when appropriate, we, we certainly will be here just to talk. It's all part of the community conversation. Things don't end, certainly on November 7th. Yes, I would love to talk to you always. And um, and I hope the other candidates do as well. Thank you. Um, but yes, I, I love your program. <laughs> and um, and I, I really welcome the opportunity just to be able to talk to people. So thank you. Thank you. Well, we appreciate all the candidates, not just in Vestal, but the candidates elsewhere around here. Everybody who's a candidate for the major offices has been able to call in. Now, one thing that didn't happen and maybe we could have done better, I don't know, well, we could have done better. I'm not sure necessarily we should have done better was um, perhaps a greater focus on Binghamton City Council, for example. We could have. Um, I think we had only two candidates, but they requested to come in, anybody who was running for Binghamton City Council uh, was certainly welcome on the program, but I didn't go out and seek Binghamton City Council candidates. Um, One other note, just for those who may be interested, for the race in Endicott, we certainly have spoken with the incumbent mayor, Linda Jackson, many times since she took office and certainly during this campaign and one person who never called in was Nick Burlingame who defeated Linda Jackson for the um, Republican nomination so if people were wondering why Nick Burlingame wasn't on it's because he didn't call in he didn't request to be on the program, so that's, uh, that explains that. Larry Coppola was just on a few days ago, and that's because he contacted us and wanted to be on the program. So as far as the Republican candidate, I don't know. He would have been on the program if he wanted to be on. It's 11.31. This is Bob Joseph. The program is open to all, 607-772-1290. The people who don't want to be on, make a choice. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF 1135 with the most calls in America. Dave in Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Morning. I was, hey, I was calling to uh, talk about the elections tomorrow and, um, you know, basically hope that people don't waste their votes, especially on uh, the Binghamton South side. Um, You know, the redistricting or the lines being redrawn, gerrymandering that was done um, uh, 
by the Republican led council. And it, it was just <laughs> very horrible. Basically they took away community from the two sides of the South side. And um, it, it was just interesting. And all the decisions they've been making in the, these races have been interesting. Um, they lied about the original candidate for uh, district five uh, stating that they're going to be moving, which is not true to replace the, uh, the candidate with someone else and the person they replaced uh, with, or the person that um, was a replacement has almost no clue of what's happening from what I've seen. And from what I've heard from people that attended the Southside neighbor neighborhood assembly, um, basically like he had to have topics explained to him, have uh, you know explanations about what a pilot is, have to be told what the Southside neighborhood assembly does, have to be told what city council does. And because basically it seemed like he was proud not to know. And so I was just like, that's really an odd, odd candidate to have to, or to be chosen to run if, if they don't know what they're going to be doing. Um, why run? Um, well, maybe it'll be on the job training. I don't know. I, it's uh, interesting. As I pointed out, uh, I didn't hear from most of the council candidates. Only two candidates requested to come on the program. And they were on the program, and we talked about some interesting Binghamton issues. Uh, oddly enough, though, uh, most of the city council candidates, for whatever reason, maybe they don't like the program or maybe they never heard of it, but they uh, they opted not to uh, introduce themselves to potential voters. So I guess potential voters can make their own conclusion about that. That's, that's true. That's true. And unfortunate that the rest didn't go on. So people could make a good decision, you know, even, now, even though no debates on, uh, you know, normally, uh, even on WSKG for the city council candidates, but, you know, the fact that only two um, would come on to speak to, you know, so a lot of people in the city of Binghamton do listen. A lot of the voters in the city of Binghamton do listen. So, you know, the, uh, um, the Democratic um, candidate for District 5 did come on, I believe. Sure. At Asa. And who was the second one? Um, Who also came on? Well, now, now, see, you put me on the spot. Oh, no. Now she's going to be mad (laughs) at me. But she came on, um, and so, but the the, my point is everybody had a chance. Everybody had a chance to come on because I don't play favorites here. Some people think, oh, we... There are people I like and people who get some sort of special treatment on on the program. Well, actually, no. No, the, the people who get special treatment on the program are those who choose to participate. It's, oh, it was Kenya Middleton. I'm sorry, Kenya Middleton. Yep. So she came on. Everybody could come on, Democrats, Republicans, whatever, if they had an interest in talking about why they wanted to be on city council in January, they had an opportunity. And same with the mayor. He always has an opportunity. The invitation is always extended to the mayor of Binghamton to be on the program. Anytime, anytime. We're, we're located approximately a, a block from his office. It's a brisk three-minute walk. And Mayor Cram knows he's allowed on. I see he apparently held some kind of um, media event last week about 
why he, he wants people to vote for Republican candidates for city council. Why wouldn't he come in on this program on that day to talk about why he would like a Republican-controlled council going forward in January? You would think he would want to take advantage of of the reach this program has. This is, after all, Very they true. say, and this is no secret to anyone, they say this is a Republican station. If this is a Republican station, why didn't the Republican candidates <laughs> and the Republican mayor come on their Republican station? That that's as people say, by the way. That's, that's what some people tell me. Obviously, this program is not Republican or Democrat. This program is open to all. This is an independent program. Yep, and focused on the Binghamton area, which yeah. you know, which is what needs to be done with most of the media in the area, and um, you know, happily it it is, and most of the TV stations are still too. So that's yeah. That's anyway, well, I appreciate your thoughts as always, and we'll see how things shape up. Here, here's my plan, yep. but it's going to require. My plan is this. We'll see if I can actually follow through. It's not a guarantee. This is my plan as of November sixth. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying money back if not delighted. But my plan is to roll out the red carpet figuratively to all members of city council in January. So any member of city council who would like to be on the program occasionally will feel welcome to come on. So that's just for anybody who's running for city council, even if you didn't come on the program during the campaign, you will have that opportunity once you're seated on city council next year, because I'll step up the effort. Wait, let me rephrase that. I plan to step up the effort to to have more council can or council members. And now again, as far as the mayor, I, I at this stage, obviously, I think we know that we know what's happening there. So, you know, and it's fine by me. But, um, you know, if he ever wants to come on, the door figuratively is open. He knows he knows my number. Appreciate your call. Everybody's welcome. Vinny from Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Well, it's one more day. <laughs> one more day to go. Yeah, then, then we don't have to worry about politics ever again. Oh, heck no. You know what the problem about one more day is? Tomorrow, actually... <laughs> I, I think tomorrow, and just so people know, I don't think we're go going to be talking about any specific candidates at all on tomorrow's program, it being election day. So I think I think we've had plenty of opportunities. But the problem after tomorrow is then Wednesday, you know what the constant focus will be on. <laughs> For better or worse, I mean, I can't help it. I, I've gone... I, I think I've gone overboard not to mention the one guy today. I haven't mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned any any of the guys or any of the other, I mean, maybe guys and gals who will be um, competing for our attention next year. But, yeah, starting Wednesday. Well, you know, I, I, I got to say, I think um, talking about the district attorney's office, um, and everybody that's called in and, and what I've seen so far, you know, I think one of the things, if I have to say anything disappoint, I don't want to say disappointed, but I really thought this person was going to come through and, and do something. And that was uh, Michael Korchak. I really thought he was going to come through and endorse Matt Ryan. And I'm going to tell you why. Like I've said before, when you're in a party 
and they basically cut your throat. And then you come on a program and talk about ideas. That's one thing the two candidates don't do, you know, ideas. You know, you can't say it's got to stop. It's got to stop. The crime's got to stop. That's not an idea. But my question would be, okay, between the two, and like the, the, the caller called before about leadership, let's talk about um, experience, managerial experience. Who's got the better? And that's why my question would be about Mike. Mike, of the two candidates, who do you think has a managerial experience of putting together an office? Because like Matt Ryan said the other day, there was 25, what, they had 25 people? Out of 25 people, there's only nine left because of the internal fightings with the Republican Party. Where Michael Korczak has to vote, go against Paul twice. One time he had to go to another party to win. And they're doing it to him again. What's going on? And you know what? He should just come out. I thought he would come out and say, you know, I, I really shouldn't, but I got to tell you because I love this office. Now, he's talking about uh, I might come back and run uh, years from now. Well, you know, politics is always about timing. And if Paul gets in there or whoever gets in there, you know, you, you might be an afterthought. You had your chance, and um, you, might, you might get crushed years from now. So it's, it's all about the moment, and I really thought he would come forward and say that. I really do, because that's a big office. You know, it's kind of like... Bob saying, um, um, you know, if you take the smallest grocery store, think of a small grocery store. And Bob, you've run it. You've ran that grocery store, Bob, for about 20 years. And then guess what? I'm going to promote you. I want you to go run the Wegmans over there in Johnson City. You get crushed. It's just so, it's huge. And there's so many turning figures in that. Who's got the major, uh, managerial experience? This guy ran a city. He ran a city. And there you go. He's going to have to run it a little bit differently, but there's going to be, that place is going to be empty. You're going to have to learn how to recruit people. And when you've got people that are getting ready to leave, if a certain individual gets in there, what do you got then? And then here's the big part. Who's going to have the checks and balances? Who's going to be watching the district attorney's office? Who? Nobody. We'll see what happens. Appreciate your call. It has been an interesting campaign. And I am going to be very interested to see how the people in Broome County vote. Remember, polls are open tomorrow from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. You're listening to Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph, a friend to all on WNBF. Monday, live radio, the way Marconi said it ought to be. Matt from Binghamton, good morning, you're on the air. You there? Oh yeah, sorry, we, we got cut off right there at the beginning. Okay. Just want to again thank, say thanks to your station and you and having the platform to get all important information out of here. Out on the campaigns that are going on, the important campaigns for... Uh, district attorney and city council and the, all the, the race in Vestal, the race in Endicott. Um, those are all very, very important races and uh, local races that every year we say, you know, the 
you know, what, what's the most important election in our lifetime? It's always the current one, and it's always going to be for a long, long time. I'd like to thank all those Republicans who have reached out to me and all the people who understand that the uh, DA's office shouldn't be a political office. That it should be, um, you know, have a team that really pays attention to what the mission is, and that's making sure that there's uh, fairness and justice for everybody in the system. Um, also, I'd like to, you know, they just sent out another hit piece. You probably didn't even see it. I think they did it in every city council district in Binghamton. It says public safety is on the ballot. It's me, Deb Gelson, and the person from that district. In this case, in my district, it's Kenya Middleton. Uh, these are wonderful people. Anybody who runs for office is, uh, anybody who knows anything about it is uh, a special person who, um, really puts herself out in line, especially when they're coming from the party who historically has way less money and way less resources to put on a campaign. And so I, I honor everybody who's um, you know, out there talking about the important issues. And just just this morning, real quickly, the, the guy from the South Side called about the Neighborhood Assembly that talked about the candidate who went there and didn't know anything about what was going on. Well, without that neighborhood assembly, which we started, which is so important to the kinds of things that we should be doing all over the community, ways to reach people, ways to get them involved, those are things that uh, stand the test of time, and they inform the community, and that's what we should have more of, not less of. They were all abandoned, gang prevention abandoned, youth bureau abandoned, neighborhood assemblies uh, stood on their own, thank God, some of them and provide good information for voters and neighbors. Uh, that was all started under us. And uh, I, I look forward to the opportunity to make Broome County the safest place it can possibly be by not only prosecuting crime vigorously, but also preventing it in the first place by getting people involved in their community. It's a lot more work, but it's worth the time. And I thank people for considering our candidacy and all those Republicans who know what's really going on in this county and don't like to see the, the power cabal um, pretty much trying to control everything and, and, and dismissing anybody else or crushing anybody else who dares um, say different. Matthew Ryan, thanks for calling in. 1154, Randy in the town of Dickinson, you're on the air. Yes, I agree with Vincent 100% when he says character and managerial experience are important in a race. But with Matt Ryan, I don't know, I just find it hard to uh, believe that managerial experience versus character, I mean, a man who gets arrested twice, and I'm not counting the Vietnam uh, protest arrest, I mean, that was a noble, noble cause he was protesting, but getting in a fight on New Year's Eve and being you know, asked to leave a protest in a Wegmans parking lot and refusing to do so, and, and getting arrested twice, to me, that doesn't, you know, managerial experience is one thing, but character is another. I mean, there's been some bad characters who've had managerial experience, and crazy-haired Trump, he's one of them. So, like I said, a managerial experience doesn't amount to much when character doesn't go with it. Appreciate your call. Hi, WNBF. What's your first name? Oop, let's see if we squeeze in one more. Hi, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is DJ Binghamton. Quick. We only have 15 seconds. Yeah, real quick. I just want everybody to know, because I, I figure a lot of people don't know. Whoever the district attorney is, 
there's a program, it's a faith-based program called Teen Challenge. You can go there if you have drug problems or any kind of crime problems, whatever they are, and, and they, you will go to this uh, induction center for about four months and then go to the farm in Rearsburg. A lot of people need to know that that's, a, that's an alternative to jail. It's called Teen Challenge. It was started by David Wilkerson. You can Google it. And uh, the, the DA, you know, would be contacted, and they would send you there. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Busy, busy morning. Tomorrow will be busy as well. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon right here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.